Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started on today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you about Football Insider. Now, this isn't what I've been telling you about. This is our big Football Insider on Cleveland.com where you get access to exclusive articles, you get a daily newsletter, and on top of that, you still get to be a part of our texting service where Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with thoughts, nuggets, anything we're thinking uh, about the Cleveland Browns, and of course we we have texters on our podcast, we have texters make picks with us, and we do a post-game show after every game with our Football Insider subscribers, and you can have access to all of that if you sign up for Football Insider on our site. So all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns, and there is a big blue bar on the top of the page. I'm looking at it right now. It says, Get texts from our reporters and receive the Daily Browns newsletter. Join Football Insider. If you click on that, you can become a Football Insider. It's $7.99 a month, and I think you'll think that it's worth every penny. Now, here's our pod. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and also Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. All right. Uh, we have reached the quarter point of the season. This is in, in coach speak. They always love to talk about the season in quarters. Now, the Browns are doing that 1-0 every week thing uh, that didn't work out so well for them last year. But we're going to talk about the first quarter of the season, a very good first quarter for the Browns, 3-1. and one. We're going to talk about the offense, the defense, and, of course, the coaching staff. And, you know, look, coaching is going to come up throughout all of these areas, I'm sure. Uh, but sort of what we've learned about this football team in each area. Uh, Mary Kay, let's start with you. What, what have you learned about the Browns in the first four games of the season? Well, if you want to start offensively, uh, I would say that one of the things that they've learned is that it's going to take Baker Mayfield a little while to get up to speed in this offense. And while they're waiting for that to happen, I think, you know, that's what, when they've really been relying more on the running game. And that's been the focus so far. I think that that will change as they go along. I think there will be a little bit more of a balance, but as of right now, they're running it more than they're passing it. And I, uh, and I attribute that to them playing to their strengths and giving Baker Mayfield an opportunity uh, to come up the learning curve a little bit. You know, I think the Baker thing is really interesting to me because obviously the numbers aren't blowing you away. He's been very efficient. 
Um, and then I go back and watch that Dallas game, and there were a couple moments, especially with Odell, where he got rid of the ball so quickly that it almost didn't allow for a receiver to finish his route or get open. There were moments where Odell came wide open, but Baker had already gotten rid of the ball. Um, I'm thinking if, if you go back and look in that four-minute drill towards the end, there's one where Odell just came wide open. It would have been a touchdown. There was another one in the first quarter. Um, and so it seems like the emphasis with Baker has been, let's get that ball out quickly, right? Which is one of his strengths. And it's resulting in very efficient performances, not huge performances. They are leaning on that run game, but it does make me think, Scott, that there is still a lot more there with Baker than, than what we've seen. I think, you know, I mean, he can always get better efficiency wise. Um, but I think this is what we're going to see from Baker. I think we have to start uh, maybe measuring him differently than, than we would have in the past, just because of what he is supposed to be in this offense. I think like 20 to 29 attempts, that's, you know, 20 of 29, that'd be like the perfect game in this, in this offense, uh, uh, a completion percentage over 60, you know, if he's throwing 38 times for 350 yards, something went wrong. And I think it's you know clear that everybody's still kind of learning because they're in four games into this weird season. But I don't think that we're going to see a shift where Baker Mayfield's carrying this offense. It's going to be run first. They're going to end up with more rushing attempts than passes by the end of the season. And, um, you know, Baker Mayfield, maybe he'll get 3,000 yards. You know, he's kind of, I think uh, I wrote uh, after the game, he's actually, he's on pace to barely reach 3,000 yards with about 460 attempts. And, you know, he had like 3,800 yards last year, over 500 attempts. So um, it's going to be a different year. And I think every week I put up a, a poll after the game asking people to grade Baker and he's getting these, these consistent Bs, you know, even though he's completing 63, 65% of his passes, I think that might be the A game for Baker Mayfield this year. And I, you know, look, I, I think most fans and certainly the Browns would take Cs and Bs and wins over, you know, A's and losses, right? 400 yards and a loss is, is worse than 180 yards uh, and a win. Scott, what have you learned about this offense so far? Oh, well, that was just it. <laughs> I think <laughs> okay. the fact, that, the fact that, that we're going to have to look at Baker Mayfield a little differently, that, that he's not, he's not going, and it's weird to think of it that way because he was the number one overall pick and we saw how he, uh, and a lot of times carried this team to wins as a rookie, right? You know, he came out and just kind of exploded on the scene. And, and then there was the, the assumption that that would continue last season. And, and now it's Kevin Stefanski's brought in to make him more efficient, not necessarily a guy who's going to be setting, setting any sort of uh, uh, yardage or, or attempt passing record. So, so again, I think it's, it's, I've learned that we got to look at Baker Mayfield differently in this offense. You know, I think this weekend is going to be a good test to kind of see where he's at. Now, again, I think we might all agree on the fact that perhaps the, the Colts defense aren't, you know, they haven't really played, even though they're the number one ranked defense right now, they haven't played the best of the best. So chances are they're not really technically the best defense in the NFL or maybe even the best defense that the Browns are going to see this season, but they're pretty good. And so I think that this weekend, it's going to be really interesting to see how Baker functions against a defense that leads the NFL with points allowed, I think 11 something, uh, that leads the NFL in yards allowed, rushing yards allowed. 
seven interceptions. Uh, so, the, you know, they're getting their hands on some footballs. He's being really careful now. Uh, but I think it, I think we're going to have a little bit better of a handle on him this week than we did last week. I think that that was, you know, that defense was very challenged and uh, there were just things wide open uh, for him to just, just go out there and have a little bit of a field day. Yeah. The Cowboys have the worst rank defense. They're going from the worst to, to the best. And again, it's only four games, but that's where they stand at this point. So it's going to be quite a difference. I think. Yeah. The, the worst ranked defense and, and they looked at for sure. And I'll say this, I learned this last year with, with San Francisco. Going into that San Francisco game, I thought, oh, that defense is pretty good, but yeah, who have they really played? And then they just boat raced the Browns and that defense carried them all the way to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that Indianapolis is a good defense and, until shown otherwise, but maybe the Browns can expose them because I think that's, that's my big thing. Um, I don't know if it's maybe what we've learned as, as more of, you know, sort of confirming what I thought would happen. We know what this team is. This team has a very clear identity. And I, I thought it was really impressive on, on Sunday. And of course, Dallas's defense stinks, but the Browns imposed their will in that football game. And I feel like I've been able to say that about this offense a couple times already this season, where I've looked and said, they knew what they wanted to do. And they went out and did it, whether the defense they played was good or bad. They went out and they, they dominated that game offensively. I'm thinking about the Cincinnati game. Obviously, that was a close game, but that was mostly on the defense. And then, of course, this Dallas game where they opened up that 41-14 lead. There is a real identity like we thought there would be. And I think it's really impressive they've been able to do that so quickly, considering they didn't have anything in the spring and, and they didn't have much of a training camp. Now, one of the other things to consider, I think, about this offense, and, and we are going to know a little bit more about it going forward, is that so far, and especially in the last two games, they've been set up with such great field position. I mean, they've, they've started so many drives in the opposition's territory. And, you know, they're, they're leading the NFL with 10 takeaways. They have had eight takeaways in the first, in the last two games. They've scored a league high 45 points off of those takeaways. And Baker has been consistently starting drives in the opponent's territory. And I think that has helped him tremendously. Now, not as much this game, obviously, as the previous game. But still, that the one after the Miles strip sack was started, and that kind of kicked off the whole thing. So I think the takeaways have been a huge benefit to this offense, absolutely huge. And then the other thing is, like you guys have been saying and we've been saying, we know what the, what the offense is. What it is right now is it has been – a very run-oriented offense, but a large reason for that has been Nick Chubb. Now they don't have Nick Chubb for a while. So now, what is this offense going to be? Is it still going to be what we have seen so far in the first quarter of the season? Or is it going to be a little different? I mean, can you can you ride Kareem Hunt that much? I think normally you would be able to, but he's got a groin injury too. So I think that could possibly play into it. In this past game, he did need he did need to be spelled. And it worked out fine. They were going against uh, an inferior defense, and it, it worked out, out okay uh, to have Dearness Johnson going in there and rushing for 95 yards. I don't know they're going to be able to do that against the Colts defense if, if Kareem isn't ready for a full load this game. So I think we're going to find out a lot of things about this offense as we go forward with no Nick Chubb. And I think what we're finding out is that Kevin Stefanski will use whatever he needs to get the job done when he needs it, how he needs it, and whatever it takes 
they're going to pull out the stops and, and get it done. Okay, let's, uh, let's flip to the other side of the football. Well, let's talk about the defense. Actually, I do want to add one more point, Mary Kay, about the turnovers and, and the short fields, because I do think it's really important that this team has been punishing those turnovers, which we've seen. I mean, it was a few years ago. I don't remember the exact year. They were one of the top turnover teams in the league, and they were just never able to do a lot with those turnovers. And, and I think the emphasis on, you know, and some of it just has to do with the talent level too, the emphasis of being able to punish teams for turning the football over. I mean, that's how you score 24 points in a quarter and open up a 41 to 14 lead. So speaking of turnovers, let's talk about the defense. Scott, what have you learned about this defense? Um, well, I've learned a lot about this defense. <laughs> um, and I think the thing that sticks out the most and uh, is that Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph have kind of taken the place of Joe Schobert and Mac Wilson, as far as the biggest issues on this defense, you know, last year it was the linebackers just really having a poor season all around. And, and this year <clears throat> it's the safeties. And I'm not sure like what you do to change that with linebacker this year, they have some guys who are getting healthy and we're probably going to see different pairings um, <clears throat> as those guys kind of come work their way back into the fold. But at safety, you have Sandejo and Joseph who again have struggled, you know, in, especially in pass coverage are, you know, two of the biggest reasons why the, the Browns have struggled so much to, to stop people uh, passing downfield, but there's also communication issues we see cropping up as well. And, you know, we're four games into the season and you would think that a couple of veterans who are in the back of the defense, probably largely because they are veterans, you wouldn't have so much of that stuff, but, but that's where they are. And the only other safety that has been in the rotation right now is Ronnie Harrison, who's taking a real slow time, either getting up to speed or they just don't want to give him too much. It's, really unclear because he's been here for a while now he's he's had the equivalent of the time that the Browns had at least in training camp and yet he's you know struggling to get on the field on a consistent basis Sheldrick Redwine started five games last year has zero defensive snaps this season so um, they seem to be ready to just go with Sandejo and Joseph and, and hopefully things get better but I'm it, it it doesn't seem very likely they're just going to flip the switch and suddenly uh, you know, play better and then teams are going to have more of a struggle to pass. It's, they just really stick out on this defense. You know, it's, it's too bad that, uh, that nobody wants Earl Thomas on their football team, right? <laughs> I mean, even the, uh, even the Cowboys, I think they, they balked at it. I think the players got together and said, no, we want that guy nowhere in this, in this locker room. And, you know, it's just really unfortunate because, uh, boy, they could use a talent like that right now a seven-time pro bowler but uh you know it's just a situation where you can't bring somebody like that into the fold into the locker room that that is not going to fit what you're trying to build and that could really be very disruptive because I really thought that that Ronnie Harrison would make a bigger impact by now I you know he started a lot of games last year uh you know he was there was he their leading tackler last year possibly or one of them I think he maybe was like tied for second uh, in, in tackling and, you know, he made a, a pretty big impact and he was good in coverage and all that kind of stuff. So I thought we'd see more of him. Maybe it's just taking him a little bit longer to get rolling than they anticipated. I will say that it is easy to look bad against Dak Prescott and that trio of receivers that they have. So that, that probably was the best offense 
potentially that they will face all year long in terms of just explosiveness. So maybe going forward, those guys will be a little bit better, but I think the coverage will get better. As you mentioned with Jacob Phillips uh, getting a little bit healthier with Mac Wilson, getting a little bit healthier, maybe Ronnie Harrison getting up to speed, maybe greedy Williams coming back onto the field. If that's going to happen, I don't know. I see he's limited today as we take this on a Wednesday. Uh, but there's just been such a lack of continuity on the defense, and there still is, and it really has hurt them. So I, just a, an aside here, because I'm curious, what have you guys thought of the linebackers in these first four games? Uh, you know, I, I think leading into the season, I know I was real nervous about the linebacking core, and, I, and I'm not going to sit here and say I've been, like, blown away by them. They're certainly, you know, they've certainly backed up some of that. But at the same time, especially these last two games, I, I think they've been – a little bit better um and, and i pulled up some pff grades and it's kind of like a mixed bag right so bj goodson is a really good tackler uh malcolm smith grades out okay as as a coverage guy it's sort of a mixed bag and we haven't really seen much of mac wilson yet but uh you know it, it, i guess it strikes me as they need to get better at linebacker still but maybe they're going to be able to cover up some issues and, and maybe make those guys look a little better than they are collectively I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I've been okay with the linebackers and maybe I'm just saying that because we're coming off of a, of a win and it's feel good week for the Browns. Uh, but I, I guess I feel like the linebackers have been okay somewhere around that level. Uh, I think you feel that way because they won probably against the Cowboys. <laughs> and because I saw uh, talking, I mean, talking, get his hands on a football and well, Phillips looked okay on Sunday. I mean, you look at the first two drives of the Cowboys, they were doing a lot of stuff outside, like quick passes in the flat and, and getting out into space. And that's because the Browns linebackers aren't very good at moving out into those areas. And Goodson's a good tackler. That's the, you know, that's the list of things he's done really well this season. And it's really, that's his strong point throughout his career. He's a good tackler. That's why he's here. Um, but in coverage, I think all the linebackers have really struggled. Malcolm uh, Smith has been the best one there. And he's started to get more, uh, opportunities the last couple of weeks he's kind of like taking the place of Taki Taki when it looks like it's going to be a passing situation so um but yeah I think they need to start seeing what Jacob Phillips can do um see if Mac Wilson can get up to speed and kind of show what he showed coverage wise in the preseason last year because that's those things need to change I don't think Jacob Phillips is going to be anything great in coverage he's more of your run stopping type of linebacker but he's got more mobility than BJ Goodson so um, I don't think the right linebackers have been very good, but I am optimistic because they do have other options that are getting healthy. Yeah. And, and once again, uh, they will be playing some lesser offenses coming up throughout the rest of, of the year. So I think there are going to be some games where uh, they're going to look better than perhaps they did against uh, this high powered Dallas offense. I think that will help. I think it will coincide with Mac getting healthier. And again, with Jacob, Phillips getting healthier. Uh, Tay Davis is out right now uh, with an elbow injury. He was uh, out of practice today and riding, riding the old bike. So, you know, once again, I just think um, even when we talk about the, like the lack of communication sometimes, I think that's been part and parcel of just no continuity. And, you know, they just haven't had a full complement on defense. I mean, look, today, speaking about riding the bikes, Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson are on the bikes today. So their strongest unit right now, now Olivier's back, 
but their strongest unit is banged up. I mean, I think Larry Ogunjobi, when you talk about an oblique injury like that, if you've torn it, I've seen people with oblique injuries and usually uh, you can actually see it. I mean, you can see the, the, the bruise going down the length of the body. And, um, and I just think that those two guys together have, have done a really, really, really nice job. That's one of the strengths, obviously, of their defense. And so heading into this game, I think that's a little bit of a concern to see those guys over there on the bikes. Okay, so I guess what I've learned about the defense is I, uh, I, I was being a little too optimistic about the development of, of the linebackers. Mary Kay, what have you learned? Um, defensively, I have learned most of all that Miles Garrett is a completely different player this year, one that can take over football games. We've been harping on it and harping on it and harping on it. What did we want to see from Miles Garrett? We wanted to see him be a game wrecker, be a game changer. We wanted to walk out of the stadium and say, the Browns 2017 first overall pick in the NFL that is now making $25 million a year in new money is worth every penny and he's worth that draft pick. And he has been that. So three straight games with a strip and not just any old strip, a strip sack that has changed the complexion of the football game. Biggest play arguably in those games. So, I mean, biggest defensive play, maybe biggest play overall in one of the games. Um, So that's what I've learned most is that Miles is a different player. He's a different person. He's a different teammate. And I think it has had a tremendous impact on this defense. He's also rushing from a different side of the field more often this year. He first few years, 90% of his rushes were against left tackle this year. It's uh, I haven't checked the percentage lately, but I know it was 90% on Sunday, both times Olivier Vernon has been on the field with him. Miles Garrett has been going against right tackles, which I think two of the three strip sacks have been from that side. You're closer to the ball um, and it's, it's worked out for him. Uh, he still gets more production from the right, just on a, like a percentage basis, but um, he's, you know, clearly they, they think he can get to the quarterback from anywhere and they're going to work matchups and, you know, it's working from the left. I'm curious to see how long that lasts though. Like is, is Olivier burning the guy now who's going to go against every left tackle and, and Miles is just going to, do his job from the from the other side it's it was weird because when Vernon was out that really was kind of even like Miles Garrett seemed to he'd go wherever he want apparently I'm sure he I think last year he said he kind of makes that call you know he can rush from whatever side but um but that's been one big notable notable difference is that he's doing most of his damage now from the left yeah and I, and I you know it was something I mentioned in training camp and when he was working over there Vernon was back over on on that right side and uh, of course, that's where Vernon has spent most of his career going against left tackles. So um, that, that's sort of that Joe Woods who, you know, coached Von Miller, that AFC West, where they were lining up their pass rushers on that side uh, over and over again. Um, the, the one thing I do have a bone to pick with Joe Woods, because I asked him, hey, does Miles get to decide where he lines up play to play? And Joe Woods gave us a quick no and laughed. So then I'm rewatching the game this week and on the broadcast, they say, uh, yeah, Joe Woods tells us that Miles Garrett can kind of go out there and line up wherever he wants. Come on, Joe. Give me something. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about coaching, uh, but first we're going to take a break. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko. Let's get into the coaching and what we've learned. I think there's a lot here. Mary Kay, what have you learned about the coaching staff? 
Well, the number one thing that I've learned about the coaching staff is they are are quick to correct. They self-correct and they're quick studies. They went out in that first game and they made some they made some big mistakes. I think Kevin Stefanski really wasn't quite sure exactly how to call the right game for Baker Mayfield. Wasn't sure how he was going to perhaps maybe react playing, you know, from under center, how he was going to be able to, uh, you know, see the field and all those kinds of things. So I think ever since then, he's done some different things. He's called the game differently. He's, uh, you know, incorporated more of the run. He's put less on Baker's shoulders. He's taken a little bit more of the game out of his hands for now. I mean, it might not hold up that way, but I think he did some things differently. He's like getting him out in space and getting him in the shotgun. And, uh, and I think that that's probably been the number one thing also for Odell Beckham jr. He has, and I think this is one of the biggest things that he's done so far. He's making sure that Odell Beckham jr. Feels good about himself and gets involved early. And it doesn't matter how that happens. He's going to make sure that that Odell can walk out of the game and say, I contributed to a victory and I did something and I am a superstar and I'm happy today. And this particular week, the way he had to do it to get that rolling was to have his best friend throw him a touchdown pass. What a beautiful way to get Odell feeling good about himself and, and to get Jarvis feeling good about himself as well. Later in the game, using him on a couple of reverses. Uh, it accomplishes so many different things, but it gives Odell something to do while he and Baker uh, still continue to find their way together on the football field. And, you know, hopefully they will uh, have amazing chemistry as the season goes along. But until that time, Kevin Stefanski has found a way uh, to make Odell feel good and important. And what magic did he use to, to avoid a 16 yard loss on that 50 yard <laughs> end around? That was just disaster waiting to happen. That's give the ball to Odell and hopefully he can figure it out. I think that's the plan on yeah. a play like that. I mean, Alden Smith blowing that play, right? I mean, that's like <laughs> almost basically your best defensive player. So you would think that, right? Yeah. Didn't yeah. I mean, the thing about Odell is like, you know, I mentioned earlier, there, there's some plays, yeah, where he comes open and Baker doesn't see him or Baker goes a different direction. And yeah, it might see him hop up and down a little bit because he wants the football. But if he's had those touches already, if he's, if, if you've taken a couple plays to, you know, again, I've, I've made this comp before, like in basketball, sometimes you got to get your big man a couple touches, even if it's not the most efficient thing, just got to get him a couple touches. You know, those plays where Odell gets open and maybe doesn't see the football or whatever, they become so much less frustrating because he's already touched the ball. He knows it's going to come back his way. He's, he's not waiting for that first catch because that does matter to guys. It matters to guys to get that first sack, get that first catch, get that first carry, whatever it is. You, you get that out of the way quick. It can change the complexion of the game. Um, I'm going to stick with uh, Kevin Stefanski here. And I'm just going to say that, you know, coming in, my impression was he would be very collaborative. He wouldn't be like, uh, hey, I'm going to take all the credit type of guy. And I think he's lived up to that so far. It's obviously easier to do when you're winning, when you're off to a three and one start. But I think he's been a guy that has been hesitant to take credit for things. He's been willing to hand it out to guys like Bill Callahan, hand it out to his players. Uh, it, it's not all about Kevin Stefanski. And, and I think that's, it's always easy to say that. It's hard to do it. Uh, and, and I think so far he's been able to do that. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, I think success has a lot to do with yes. that because uh, 
you know, and we remember Freddie Kitchens talking about how it's a collaborative effort, but then you start losing games and then people are asking, hey, Todd Monk, are you going to call any, uh, any plays? And, and, you know, you could just, you can just see things starting to crack and, and just Munkin saying things in his press conferences that maybe were a little too revealing. And um, I think winning cures all. And yeah, as long as your plan is working, um, everything looks like it's in order and, and everything's going great. So, you know, so far so good for them. Uh, one of the things that, that I think that is important about this offensive staff is I, I really think it's a smart staff and a very experienced staff. And when you talk about a, a guy like Bill Callahan and you're dealing with, um, you know, the wide zone scheme and, and these, uh, these really good offensive linemen, you know, they've got a, they've got an offensive line coach that can match up to their talent and maximize it. I remember talking to, um, I think it was, yes, it was Chris Sims. I was talking to Chris Sims in the off season and he was saying, you know, like in new England, they had Dante Scarnecchia all those years who was able to, do some really amazing things with, uh, with the blocking schemes and things like that. And when you have that, uh, that's when you can really maximize your, you know, your playbook and really use, you know, play action and all the different things that you're going to do because you can be so creative with your offensive line. So I think he's been really important. I think Chad O'Shea, I mean, my goodness, he was there in New England and won all these Super Bowls. Alex Van Pelt has great experience worked with Aaron Rodgers and has done some really nice things. Stump Mitchell, we know he's a great running backs coach. I think it's a really good offensive staff. And I think they're really supporting Kevin Stefanski and, and helping to put together a really nice game plan during the week. Scott, what have you learned about this coaching staff? Uh, Kevin Stefanski really knows how to score in the red zone. They're scoring an 80% clip uh, in goal to goal. They're eight of nine. So uh, he's getting it done. They were like 58% last year. And we all remember the struggles they had. Uh, you know, it seemed even just getting the ball to Landry and Beckham in those situations, there was always this issue of why aren't they getting more touches in the red zone? And why not just run Nick Chubb? And instead we got a lot of Demetrius Harris and Ricky Seals Jones and, you know, drops in the back of the end zone, stuff like that. But that hasn't been the case this year. And um, he, he really understands how to create mismatches and, uh, really uses play action down there on the goal line to their advantage. We saw that with um, with Odell's, uh, I think it was a four-yard touchdown catch. It was just a quick slant. You know, he was one-on-one -on -one and lost his guy, and boom, you're in the end zone. You saw that in week one with Njoku, who was wide open uh, on his touchdown catch. So he's they're not going to stay at 80% all year, but, uh, but they're really off to a great start. And kind of what you said earlier about making teams uh, pay for their turnovers, you gotta, you gotta get touchdowns when you're in the red zone. You don't want to just kick field goals. So they're getting it done. And when, when you have that ability to send big personnel out there and, and put them in different alignments and, and different things like that, it's, uh, it can make life very difficult in the red zone for a defense. All right, uh, there we go. Quarter way through the season. That's what we've learned. We have so much more to learn, guys. Isn't that exciting? Three quarters of a season left. It's like... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I don't know how to finish that thought, but I will tell you to sign up for football insider. Cause maybe I'll finish it there. Uh, you get access to exclusive articles. You get a daily Browns newsletter. You, you get signed up for our texting service. So head over to cleveland.com slash Browns sign up for football insider. There's a big blue bar right at the top of the page. Click on that and you'll get all the information you need 
right there. So for Scott, Mary Cam, Dan, thanks.